Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the CSEP podcast, episode six. I hope you all had a great, relaxing time over the holidays. Sometimes that's not the case, but hopefully there was a little bit of relaxation in there uh, and that you're gearing up for a brand new year, um, thinking about everything that's going to be exciting happening coming up in 2020. My name is Lauren Jenkinson, and I'm your host as we discuss mentorship in the field of exercise science over these first series of episodes. So I'm excited for today's episode for two reasons. First of all, because we've got some awesome guests that are going to be on the uh, on the show. And then also because we're going to be announcing a giveaway that's related to this episode. So more on that later. Stay tuned in the outro. Um, but while I was at CSEP 2019, the conference in Kelowna this fall, I was fortunate enough to have the chance to meet up with Dr. Paul Zare and Dr. Greg Piercy, who worked together at the University of Victoria while Greg was being doing his PhD under Paul's supervision. So that's who we're chatting with today. Paul Zare is a well-known uh, researcher, speaker, author, professor, he does it all, as well as being a lifelong martial artist. Now, he captivates his students and audience and readers by weaving together the science of human performance with well-known stories of superheroes, including Batman, Iron Man, and Captain America. So his passion for his work is evident, as you'll hear shortly, and clearly this rubbed off on Greg as well. He's now a postdoctoral fellow at Northwestern University in Chicago, and he talks about how Paul inspired him and how they both share their perspectives on the importance of mentorship for everybody. So let's get to it. Okay, so for today, I'm lucky enough to be here with Greg Piercy and Paul Zare. Um, we're both, at, well, all three of us are at the CSEP conference in the Okanagan Valley uh, in Kelowna here. So we're going to talk about mentorship today. And Greg, you were just telling me that Paul was your PhD supervisor. That's correct. Yeah, and is that how you got to know each other? How did you choose to do your PhD with him? Uh, yeah, so it's, a, it's an interesting story. Uh, CSEP is uh, actually the common denominator between us. Uh, the first time I ever met Paul, I was in Regina, Saskatchewan, uh, my first ever CSEP conference. And I went to this quite an interesting story. Uh, uh, CSEP was the reason that I was first introduced to Paul. Uh, I went to a symposium in Regina in 2012, which was my first ever uh, CSEP conference. I hope I got the year right. <laughs> we won't um, check you. <laughs> but uh, I go to this uh, symposium. It's about uh, walking and I think maybe some cross-education stuff, which I was fascinated with at the time. And there was this guy there and he was presenting in skate shoes, I believe. They might have been Nike, actually. They looked like <laughs> skate shoes and uh, he was very informal, but yet incredibly engaging. Okay. And... Uh, uh, that was my first impression of Paul, but mm -hmm. at the time had no intentions of doing a PhD. Right. And then a couple of years later, contacted him, and uh, it's it's the rest is history, and it's mm -hmm. been an incredible experience. Okay, that's amazing. Can you confirm or deny whether they were Nikes? Uh, they, they probably were Nikes. <laughs> probably. <yeah>. Okay. <laughs> no sponsored content here. Yeah, we're just yeah. checking <laughs> facts. Okay. <laughs> so perhaps maybe could you give us um, a little bit of a background, Paul, on what you study and how you got into that and how you sort of found yourself where you are now I guess the biggest umbrella for what I do is then you know the neuroscience of human movement right but underneath that that is all kinds of things mm -hmm. uh, a lot of my stuff has been locomotion like walking and so on right. but a lot of the work that I do is all about how people are like other animals and mm -hmm. how all our limbs are integrated together and mm -hmm. so 
if we're doing strength training with one limb, it affects the other limb through cross-education, which has been some of the work we've done. Okay. And how arms and legs interact, just like quadrupeds, you know, we're like our pets. Okay, yeah. Our pet cats and dogs, you know, <laughs> when we're walking around, even mm -hmm. we don't notice it so much. Mm -hmm. We might have the same snacks even. Yes. Um, <laughs> and and uh, out of all that, one of the things I was really interested in in my career was mm -hmm. um, helping people. So okay. we take kind of a rehab sort of focus. Right towards taking that knowledge to understand, you know, how being like a cat can help uh, mm -hmm. somebody who's had a stroke walk better. Mm -hmm. If we understand okay. the connections and what nerves to stimulate and what kind of sensations and what mm -hmm. sort of muscles to activate and so mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's kind of in broad strokes, sort of my, my research interests mm -hmm. generally fit almost everything I've done into that category. Okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, out of that, I've gotten very interested in trying to communicate that information as well right. through science communication and outreach. Yeah. 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 And it's funny that you said overarching helping people, right? So you're helping people through your research, but you're also helping people by being a mentor and sort of showing people a guided path, perhaps, of what they could get interested in and do themselves. And yeah, and I understand that you also, you know, when you're educating the public, like you've got a couple books that you've written too. Yeah, yeah so I, I believe really strongly in more people knowing more about science. Yes. So you can do that in a bunch of different ways. Mm -hmm. You can uh, get uh, lots of great trainees like Greg and help train them and, and hope that they do something too. And then there's like the, the concatenating effect of, you know, other impact they would have and so on and so on and so on. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of thinking like future tense right. in the future and now. But yeah. I mean, thinking down the line when they're having their own labs and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, who, mm -hmm. who they might influence, mm -hmm. who they might teach. Mm -hmm. And also doing stuff directly yourself. Yes. Um, whether that's... Uh, outreach things, you know, doing media interviews to explain something in a way that you hope can get an idea across to people, whether yeah. it's writing blogs or op-eds yeah. or what have you, or yeah. I've also tried to use, uh, you know, direct communication with the general public through the books I've written, mm -hmm. um, try, where, where that focus is trying to pitch a story that people will find accessible. So I right. use superheroes to explain yes. science, yes. basically, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So, um, because... Everybody knows who Batman, Iron Man, Captain America, Batgirl are. Right. And if you start talking about the science of achievement and any of those mm -hmm. things, mm -hmm. you've already, you're already halfway there to making mm -hmm. sure they're interested because mm -hmm. you've got this common ground. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting you ask a question in that way because that's also the way I try to do mentoring with trainees. Okay. Um, try to understand what is your core interest? Mm -hmm. you know, what is it you are really interested in? Mm -hmm. um, and, and how does that fit with what we're trying to do in the lab? And mm -hmm. How do we find the connection points and how do we you know, craft you know, your thesis work or right. the things you're interested in so that they're hitting on common, you know, this ginormous Venn diagram of mm -hmm. overlapping spheres right. you know, that, that are making sure things are connected together in a way that uh, helps you get the training you're trying to get, helps me advance the things I'm trying to advance together mm -hmm. and working on things together mm -hmm. in a common way for you know, mutual benefit as we move forward, right. yeah. Right, yeah, it sounds like there are some real kind of motivational counseling elements to what you just said, right? Um, just from what you told me, it would sound to me more like you would question a potential grad student about what they're interested in studying and how that might be in line with what you're doing rather than potentially just saying this is what i study therefore i want you yeah. to do the same thing I mean, one of the things i do yeah. a lot of hand waving it's not going to help on a podcast that's okay if you imagine i'm just holding up my hand right you got your your palm yes. and then you got your fingers coming out from yes. it yes well a lot of times um trainees come from different 
areas and they're interested in something mm -hmm. and they want to do a project that's on the index finger mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. which is fine but it's not connected to the other fingers yes so let's go back to the palm of your hand right. and figure out what should we develop down here yeah. so that the stuff you do can apply to the index finger and mm -hmm. the pinky and the ring mm -hmm. finger so you can apply it to many different places and right. i think as a as a mentor what i really try to do is to bring people back into the palm at first yes to make sure that you're not just doing a one-off thing. Mm -hmm. you, you, whether you're trying to do a graduate thesis, mm -hmm. you know, where you need multiple things that are connected, or you're building your own research program where you're applying for grants and you're trying to set up a, a way to study some area. Mm -hmm. Understanding the core essence of what you're doing helps drive and guide all those other outcomes. And mm -hmm. if you think of it that way, I believe you'll, you'll have research outcomes, you'll have thesis chapters, you'll have whatever the outcomes are, mm -hmm that will build one on top of the other to create something. Yeah. Because I think that's really important to create mm -hmm. knowledge and to synthesize it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so from your perspective then, Greg, having worked with Paul previously, um, you know, what were sort of some things that you'll, you'll remember or things that might have inspired you along your path? Yeah, so there's some stuff like, obviously there's a lot of great scientists in the world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when you go to work with a great scientist, you don't always know what type of mentor you're going to get. True. And it's probably a theme of this podcast that you're going through is what, what makes a good mentor. Mm -hmm. And some of the, the things that I truly think that will stick with me forever are the intangible stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's things like perseverance. Mm -hmm. So one of the greatest lessons that Paul's ever taught, I think me and some other trainees that come through the lab is if you think that you're doing something the right way, mm -hmm. someone else might not agree with you. Mm -hmm. okay. And you might receive a lot of negative feedback. Mm -hmm. But if you truly believe that you're doing something the right way, mm -hmm. and you have the evidence to show that what you're doing is right, yes. keep doing it. Right. And eventually it will work out and things probably, well not always, mm -hmm. but most times things will turn a little bit in your favor mm -hmm. if you're truly doing what you believe is right. Right, yeah. And, and one of the things you don't want to do is at first sign of negative consequence to change direction in that thing that you think is right. Mm -hmm. Because then you'll have a regret later mm -hmm. in your futures. You might publish something mm -hmm. to just to appease a reviewer or okay. something like that, mm -hmm. but in fact, you don't agree with it later and now you're kicking yourself because yeah. That's not truly what you believed in. Right, right. And some of the other stuff it, uh, to go along with perseverance is that it's not always going to be easy. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, there are ways to cope and uh, you can have balance. Uh, uh, when, when times are not the best for mm -hmm. you, uh, mm -hmm. the balance really helps with that perseverance to get through mm -hmm. these rough times. And, mm -hmm. uh, some other things that Paul uh, goes on these random rants sometimes <laughs> and I don't mean that in a bad way at all right, right. it's the stuff that you wouldn't normally learn about from just someone who's a great scientist but mm -hmm. they don't uh, fill you in on the behind the scenes things like the review process mm -hmm. uh, ways to communicate with people mm -hmm. on the street mm -hmm. let alone yeah. in science so right. there's all of these life lessons and it's almost like a, a parent approach in, in a way yeah. I don't know if, if it's right <laughs> to say that but it's like an academic parent yeah, and no uh, wrong. <laughs> it's like uh, you have a safe haven and mm -hmm. a lot of those things really uh, have made my experience with Paul good. really yeah. good yeah. oh that's wonderful to hear and I think you know, that the piece that you just talked about with feeling safe goes hand in hand with someone believing in you and instilling your confidence so that you are reminded that doing whatever feels authentic is indeed the right thing to follow, right? And that definitely comes from a really good mentor. And I think something that we've, a theme that we've kind of touched upon with 
some of the previous episodes I've done with people is there's also a bit of a reciprocal relationship with a mentor and a mentee where as a mentor you can really gain a lot from the people you're working with as well regardless of level of experience in this field they've got different types of experience today's pdc code word is posture as in she had kyphotic posture use the word posture to claim your professional development credits on your portal so for Paul, for you, have you had any standout sort of aha mentorship moments for you over the yeah, years? Yeah, I mean, I, I think before maybe answering that directly, if it's yeah, okay, just, yeah, of course. Uh, mm. um, I, I like the idea. I mean, that is a metaphor I use, the kind of academic offspring kind of idea. Yeah, okay, like, uh, okay. Even when I write, you know, in your grants, you got to write your mentoring uh, mm -hmm. philosophy. I mm -hmm. use that metaphor, mm -hmm. but not in a, a like a pejorative way of where you're creating a hierarchy, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. where you got. Uh, the parents and the kids on different planes. Yeah. Rather from the sense that, you know, as a parent, like as an actual parent with yeah. children, yes. <laughs> um, I want the best for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want them to be successful mm -hmm. in their lives and what they choose to do. Mm -hmm. And when I bring trainees into my lab, whether they're undergrads, mm -hmm. master's students, PhD, mm -hmm. postdoctoral fellows, whoever, yeah. whatever stage of training, we're all trainees. Right. I like to use that word as yeah. students and yeah. professors and so on, because mm -hmm. we're all at different stages of training. Um, and I, I want to make sure that I work really hard with them to make sure they're prepared for the next stage of training. Mm -hmm. you know, where are you going next? Let's mm -hmm. make sure we develop this plan for you, mm -hmm. that we're making sure you have the right steps so that you're going to be successful. Mm -hmm. So I've done the best I could working with a trainee mm -hmm. to make them best prepared for the next step. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so coming back to the question about you know things that stand out is, mm -hmm. is when they're successful at those next steps, mm -hmm. right? When they go off somewhere else, when they get, you know, if they did the undergraduate training in my lab and then they want to get into medicine they get into medicine or they mm -hmm. want to get to grad program they get into grad program or if they're mm -hmm. masters into a PhD mm -hmm. or a PhD into a postdoc or postdoc into a professor's yeah, job yeah. I mean those are the best things mm -hmm. like those are great mm -hmm. feel-good moments for me right. um, no matter what it is either uh, maybe they say they want to do science communication they do this or they want to work in industry whatever it is yeah. whatever they wanted to do mm -hmm. that's the key not mm -hmm. what I did right yeah. But what do they want to do? And then seeing them do it mm -hmm. um, is just amazing. Like I, I uh, it, it makes me feel good just to reflect mm -hmm. on, you know, some of the training you know, of the trainees I've had in my lab mm -hmm. and where they've all gone, the different mm -hmm. things they've done. Mm -hmm. And, you know, coming back to something we were talking about earlier about, you know, having impact and mm -hmm. helping people and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it just gives the impression that, yeah, I did try to do something that had this trickle-down effect. Now all these people are doing stuff, and they're going to be doing it in their own way. Yeah. I had some small portion of contribution to wherever they're gone. Right. But they're an arrow that's left, yeah. and where they're going to go is up to them now. Yeah. But it's a, it's a nice feeling, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, it also works the other way in the sense that um, not everything's all roses. You know, yeah. there are going to be things where they're going to trip and fall, or right. where you might not get the thing you applied for, or whatever it is. Uh -huh. And so you also feel those things too, yeah. you know, where yeah. you feel the kind of peace where you try to help pick people up if you can yeah, yeah. and just carry on. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, I'm, I'm glad that one of the things that's come out of training with me is the idea of perseverance because you, yeah. that's key. <laughs> it's a key in everything right. in life. Just right. keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. Because I think, you know, you're absolutely right. No one could argue that it's not always a smooth path. Rarely is it a smooth path, right? There are, there are ups and downs. There are things that get in the way. And... I think part of being a good mentor as well, something that I struggle with myself is, is not doing too much. Like if, if you bring it back to sort of the parental um, framework of, you know, if you always do everything for your kids and they don't get to learn. So finding that balance 
um, of being a supportive person, but not necessarily overstepping helicopter parenting, helicopter supervising, then that could be, yeah, that could be something that... Relating to that point, yeah. that's something that I've also noticed uh, with working with Paul is that uh, he gives a, a, a long enough leash and to, for me to be my own person. Right. And yeah. a good example of that is uh, in writing style. Mm -hmm. okay. So there was a few times, I think the first couple of manuscripts that I ever put together, mm -hmm. uh, the editorial comments in there and the, the corrections or, or, or suggestions more mm -hmm. so than actual corrections, yeah. okay. were that to change how things were structured, so sentences okay. mm -hmm. and etc. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think maybe the probably the second or third, I don't know exactly which one mm -hmm. it was, I received a, a major comment at the beginning and said, this is not wrong, it's just a different style. Huh. And that was a really, really nice comment one time and it right. really just showed that he was not trying to be controlling, which mm -hmm. a good mentor is not controlling. They mm -hmm. let you be your own person and let you grow mm -hmm. how you want to grow. Right. That, right. That's a, another sign of a good mentor, I think. Yeah, yeah, there's a couple of different elements that all come together into the perfect, the opposite of the perfect storm, like the perfect um, supportive type person, yeah. Um, so if you were to be seeking, rather than seeking a mentor, as one does if you're looking to, you know, do further education, um, are you selective at all, and either of you now, because you're in your postdoc as well, in who you would take on as a mentee, or what kind of qualities you might look for in that type of person? Yeah, I mean... Historically, when I've, when I've been fortunate, have lots of people contacting me to do mm -hmm. work, and um, one of the things I, I, I really do try to look for the person, mm -hmm. um, because you know, going back to the sort of parent analogy, it's mm -hmm. not just about doing the experiments and publishing the papers. It's mm -hmm. about becoming uh, a, a person trained in science who's yeah. part of a community. Yes, yeah, and and I, I try to as best I can to draw down from, you know, usually it's written stuff you get, mm -hmm. you know, the CV and some papers and mm -hmm. this and a mm -hmm. statement of whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, layers of reference, all that kind of stuff. And then you talk to the person mm -hmm. and just try to draw out of there, not not fixating on somebody's transcripts. Mm -hmm. um, although generally they've been excellent. Right. You know, in my case, I've had great success with, uh, or great, been very fortunate to have lots of uh, really academic scholars as well, mm -hmm. but but also that's not what I'm really looking at, though. To be honest, mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm looking at um, more how do they fit together? What are their interests? Like, mm -hmm. how did they get interested in this, anyways? Mm -hmm. Why why are they actually coming to me? What is it about um, what you've done? You know, and and one of the things that's been quite fascinating for me, just as an anecdote, uh, mm -hmm. more recently is because of all the other stuff I've done, you know, outside the normal mainstream science yes, thing, yeah. a lot of the most compelling sort of letters and stuff that I get now, emails, you know, people asking about opportunities in my lab, include a bunch of the stuff, you know, you did this and that, I'm interested in this kind of work, mm -hmm. but, you know, I've also looked at your TED Talks and I've right. read your books and yeah. I like this, and I like the fact that you're trying to integrate with society. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, those are really important things because mm -hmm. those are the people that you, are already going to be embracing similar ideals mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and 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 you're hoping that you know folks who leave your lab just like mm -hmm. a parent you know, mm -hmm, your values yeah, things, you're hoping that you got some message across that they'll take and do it however they're going to do it is right. up to them of course right but getting across the essence of you know this is a these are things to think about mm -hmm. 
you know, trying to incorporate these, how you're going to do it, you know, mm -hmm. even just coming back to the idea of writing, mm -hmm. you know, as long as you're getting the ideas across effectively, mm -hmm. there's all kinds of different styles to do it. I would write it this way. You're writing it that way. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But just let's, let's make sure we talk about what we're trying to communicate mm -hmm. and, and how you do it, you know, is a personal style. Right. How you're going to implement all these things is, is up to the individual, but right. hoping it's grounded in, you know, these these things that were part of their characteristics when they came into the lab mm -hmm. and you hope that you've contributed to that, you know, mm -hmm. as they move on somewhere else. Right, right. Yeah, I think that um, something that was interesting when you were saying, looking for people and seeing sort of what it sounded to me was what is the passion under why they're coming to you in the first place, right? And that does connect back to the idea of every single person is part of a community. Um, there's academia and then there's what kind of roots grow from academia to reaching clinical, to reaching you know, people, the general public as well. Um, so keeping that in mind, I think, is, is always a good idea. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, unfortunately, there are, you hear stories about other mentors, you know, mm -hmm. who talk about, sometimes you hear things about, you know, somebody can, and then, oh, they weren't doing well, so we've got to, they got to be moved on, or right. they're not going to pass, or, yeah. I think that's ridiculous. Okay. Unless mm -hmm. something's gone, like, catastrophically wrong. <laughs> yes. Like, the person has, you know, committed a crime right right you know something really significantly bad has yeah. happened yeah if I've taken somebody into my lab mm -hmm. I've looked at them I've talked you know what they've presented to me and I've talked mm -hmm. to them and I said okay let's try and do something mm -hmm. you know you're 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 in you're, you're there now yes now it's my job to make sure you're successful okay. at, the, at completing what you're doing okay and, and if it turns out that this really wasn't your most passionate thing and mm -hmm. when you came in you thought you were going to do a PhD and a postdoc and be a professor or whatever that's what you thought this direct line was which right. is rare but you know, that kind of thing <laughs> uh -huh. and then you re they realize no I'd like to work in industry or really mm -hmm. I, I just want to do the master's part because it's not for me I'm not passionate okay let's just do that then. Mm -hmm. but let's do it well let's mm -hmm. have authenticity mm -hmm. let's have something that's got some rigor and is, is a good piece of work mm -hmm. so that you can then use it for something else mm -hmm. you know as a springboard mm -hmm. but make sure that you know you always I believe whenever you pick something up when you put it down it should be improved right so um, in any of those kinds of metaphors or ideas that mm -hmm. that's what you're trying to do I think as an effective mentor mm -hmm. um, and and not always thinking about and this just popped in my head. Like, you know, one yeah. of the things is, is to park some of your own ambition sometimes. Right, right. You know, there's a big picture and these things, but okay, fine. But this person isn't supposed to be your research program. Right. They, they're contributing to it, mm -hmm. and you know, because that's part of the training. Mm -hmm. But they're going to have their own interests mm -hmm. and they're going to have their own way they would look at that, whether it's the way of writing a sentence mm -hmm. or a paragraph mm -hmm. or, you know, designing a question. Mm -hmm. and I think you need to be flexible yeah. uh, in, in that in the practice. Right, right. And, at the same time, you know, you're, you're allowing um, independence, which is amazing, but I also, what I hear you saying, kind of the words that you're using, um, a lot of we, right? You're taking responsibility for that person where, you know, they're, like, even to say failure is kind of too much, but their successes are your successes, you're with them, you're not um, kind of pushing something off where it's all on them and the, the weight of it is on them, like there's a balance there too, yeah. Uh, for me, I, I kind of echo some of the, the statements that Paul uses there. I, I come with a much smaller sample size uh, in terms of mentorship and uh, recruitment, I mm -hmm. guess. Uh, but for me, it just comes to something that was said the other day in the Young Investigator talk. Okay. And that is uh, search for the person and not the credentials. The credentials yeah. are somewhat secondary, especially mm -hmm. in a trainee. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I mean, yes, good grades and mm -hmm. publications will help a lot when mm -hmm. it comes to funding, mm -hmm. but 
when it comes to cohesive experience day to day mm-hmm. and actually doing the work together, mm-hmm. finding someone who's a good person mm-hmm. is oftentimes much more helpful than someone who has a great transcript, uh, as Paul said. Right. Um, and that goes back to my first experiences in research. So I worked with a guy, Dwayne Button, at Memorial University, mm-hmm. and I didn't have good grades. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And he knew, or he thought that I was a good person. He was um, might have been a little bit wrong in that <laughs> statement, but um, he thought that I was a good person, and he saw that I had a good work ethic. So I really appreciate that he took me on and really helped excel my career mm-hmm. by showing that maybe hard work and perseverance can result in uh, good productivity. Yeah. And it, it seems like I've kind of done the same thing, uh, which Paul seems to be doing throughout his career as well. You find a good person and then uh, you respect that you, you see how other people interact with them, see how they interact with someone. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, this is a really great person. Mm-hmm. If they want to work with us, mm-hmm. then it would be great to have this teamwork where you have good people working together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that, for me, that's the most important part is giving the good people a chance, maybe even if they're, uh, their grades and transcripts right. and those sorts of things are not always yeah. the best. Yeah, because I think that you, know, you talk about almost in the sense of a team, right? When you've got a team and people have different um, skills that aren't necessarily on paper all the time, but once you get to know the people you can kind of pull out, oh, well, this person's really great at this, so they're gonna enhance our team in this way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, interesting as well, you're saying you may not have had as many mentees, per se, as Paul, but I think every single person that you interact with, you know, for a good experience, even if it was an experience that sort of led them to a rec- realization of this isn't for me, for that person it means so much. Mm-hmm. So the numbers, you know, whatever they may be, I think when you're, when you're helping someone out, it, it means so much. And, and I think it's really important also for for trainees to get experience doing training mm-hmm, while mm-hmm. they're training. Right, right. Um, yeah. You know, most of us didn't get any formal guidance in yeah. being a mentor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we sort of haphazardly had experiences <laughs> with people and then yeah. we hopefully drew down some useful things that mm-hmm, we can apply mm-hmm. to our trainees mm-hmm. uh, or with our trainees. Um, uh, but one of the things we've been trying to do over the last number of years in my lab actually mm-hmm. was for PhD students mm-hmm. to create sort of a directed studies course where mm-hmm. they do peer mentoring. Okay. Where okay. They, they, we find somebody who's either come to me or come mm-hmm. to them through expo- exposure you know, in a lab or something mm-hmm. who wants to do an honors project mm-hmm. or a work study or whatever it might be, some, mm-hmm. some kind of work in the lab. And then set them up so that the trainee, like uh, Greg, for example, mm-hmm. is a primary supervisor of somebody who was given the poster here to uh, this session. Right. And, um, you know, that all came about through a certain, you know, approach, Greg wanting to be involved with the lab, and then we mm-hmm. talked about what that would look like, and mm-hmm. at first we had certain check-in meetings just about general objectives and yeah. all that kind of thing, but yeah. then it becomes a, a thing where you provide a safe space for that mm-hmm. person to explore what it means to be a mentor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that there is actually literally a safety fallback in case it doesn't, you know, it's too much, or mm-hmm. then, you know, then I would take it on, right? Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. Which okay. is not what normally happens in, yeah. when you're on your own, right? Yeah. So, yeah. and I think that allows people to get experience mm-hmm. and to grow their strengths and to figure out what some of their weaknesses are, yeah. you know, to really learn from that yeah. because, um, there's a lot of things you do in academia you didn't get a lot of training for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. think if you can provide opportunities for your trainees to get that other training, yeah. it's just it's better in the long run. Right, right. Because I think intrinsically, well, I can only speak for myself, but I think a lot of us have a fear of failing, right? And nobody likes to fail and nobody likes to have a bad experience and think they did something wrong. Um, but a lot of that comes from experience. So, you know, to kind of flip from, from 
good things you can take from mentors. Uh, have either of you ever had an experience, either solicited or unsolicited, where someone perhaps gave you some advice that was well-intentioned and it turned out for you it was either not the best advice or it taught you something kind of unexpected from there? <laughs> I've, I've been pretty fortunate, mm -hmm. I, I must say. Mm -hmm. uh, not a whole lot of bad experiences. Mm -hmm. But the biggest one for me was when I was at an early stage of career, mm -hmm. uh, someone, I don't even remember who it was, but someone told me that as an early career uh, researcher, you should try to work with the most famous person. Oh. Uh, it was kind of the advice I was given. And yeah. looking back on that, it's not fame mm -hmm. that makes a great mentor. Mm -hmm. It's the mentor and how they go about it's these intangible things that I was speaking about earlier mm -hmm. and I think that really misled me a little ways mm -hmm. there because I was always thinking oh I could work with this person in such and such a place in Australia right, for example right. whereas it, it's not always the fame that mm -hmm. should be attracting you when you're mm -hmm. looking for a, mm -hmm. a mentor and that was kind of the the biggest thing that misled me early in my career yeah. and it's since totally changed my mind yeah. uh, based on really getting to know the person more mm -hmm. so than the work and, yeah. and that's what I've resorted to now. Right, right. That's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I had two major, I guess, science mentors I would say in my own career. Mm -hmm. As an undergrad and then a grad student at McMaster University, Digby Sale was a very mm -hmm. influential uh, mentor for me. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, Richard Stein at the University of Alberta when I did my neuroscience PhD and um, they did things very differently mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. yet um, they both believed very firmly in the idea they didn't say it mm -hmm. it's just what they did mm -hmm. about doing things yes. like you're not just doing science yeah. you're doing you do other things you're active mm -hmm. do what you need to do to, to be physically active to help your mental health to do mm -hmm. whatever to mm -hmm. help everything just mm -hmm be a person mm -hmm. and you know uh, eventually near the end of my uh, PhD you know mm -hmm. we, we had thirds with you know Evan Toller's hockey tickets with uh, okay. Dick Stein his wife and <laughs> you know this kind of thing where it was like no this person's in his community uh -huh. he's right. going out and supporting he's, he's mm -hmm. going to football games mm -hmm. he's going to this he's doing that mm -hmm. he's skiing he's blah 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 yeah similar to what uh, Digby Sale did just being integrated in the community and yeah. being active and doing things yeah where it made me really think about something I, you know, I already sort of embraced at some mm -hmm. level, I believe, mm -hmm. about having multiple dimensions, mm -hmm. right? Don't mm -hmm. be just one thing. You, right. can, you can still be really good at these things, mm -hmm. but, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. Yeah. You know, be well, and one of the things that comes out of that, and what I've tried to get across, maybe not in those words sometimes <laughs> to trainees, is that one of the problems I see in science mm -hmm is that there are too many scientists with all their eggs in one basket. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And those are the ones who get very snippy and angry when they're questioned mm -hmm. or when, because you're, you're questioning their science and that's yeah. all they're defining themselves by. Right, right. And if they're mentoring people, they're only doing this piece sometimes. Mm -hmm. and, and I think it would be a, a better experience if there were some eggs kind of moved around a little bit <laughs> right. so that um, it becomes more holistic. Really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think you are a good example of that, you know, being someone in academics, you've also got this interest in writing for the general public, and then I understand you're also a martial artist, so how do you take that experience and bring it into when you're doing mentorship or vice versa? Yeah, well, in, in fact, the whole stuff started with martial arts, really, was okay. when I was a okay. kid, and that's what... I've also said at different times when I'm talking to my trainees that I actually use kind of a martial arts model mm. for things in the okay. sense that uh, I'm training Japanese and Okinawan martial arts and the term sensei is a teacher, mm -hmm. right? Right. 
That's what we say. We say it okay. means teacher. Uh -huh. Really, the characters literally mean somebody who's gone before. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. And this is important mm -hmm. because it's not a dichotomy. Mm -hmm. Somebody who's walked a path before mm -hmm. is just a little ahead of you mm -hmm. on the same path. Right, right. So they have information they can share. Mm -hmm. This is what's up ahead, by mm -hmm. the way, mm -hmm. or there's going to be these five little places you can go. <laughs> right. Here's what's at each of them. You yeah. Maybe be aware of this. Uh -huh. But it's not like they're way up on the mountain pointing their finger at the mm -hmm. people behind saying, no, you must do this. So it becomes this idea of, of a continuum of mm -hmm. skill and ability. Mm -hmm. And within the martial arts model, too, is that, and this is the way I teach martial arts also, mm -hmm. um, everybody, they, they all work together, even though they're at different levels. Mm -hmm. Somebody's a, a new first degree black belt, somebody's mm -hmm. a white belt, whatever. They, mm -hmm. they all share knowledge because mm -hmm. they've got different things to share with other people and they mm -hmm. work together but they're also working specially on their things right and that is no different than having a trainee who's a postdoc or a phd student mm -hmm. uh, or a master's or an undergrad or whatever mm -hmm. um, because they're all at different levels of training yeah and to realize that together um, the more successful everybody is individually on the specific things that they have you know ownership around like mm -hmm. their thesis project or mm -hmm. something mm -hmm the more successful they are, the mm -hmm. more successful everybody is. Right. So um, within this martial arts model, it's a non-competitive model. Okay. okay? It's mm -hmm. not about sport. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. about lifelong pursuit of excellence, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and I, for me, even if I don't say that all the time, it mm -hmm. heavily informs. Mm -hmm. um, and that's actually been part of my own journey as a mm -hmm. human, mm -hmm. trying to appreciate <laughs> what it is about me yes. and my approach to things. What are the common things that I have as values about mm -hmm. these sorts of things? And, how do I then implement them and realize, yeah, these things align this way. Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure that when I, when I articulate to people, when we're having our meetings, when mm -hmm. I'm doing a quasi rant about something, <laughs> that it aligns with these ideas. Right. So that it, it's authentic. Yes. And that it, it's, it's about engagement and, mm -hmm. and pursuit of excellence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And authenticity is so important because I think that most times people can smell it from a mile away if someone is not being genuine. And that can be sort of a big turnoff. So yeah, 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 keeping that in mind is always important. <laughs> so for both of you, um, you know, it's it's there are wonderful things that come about from mentorship, and you've talked about a whole lot of them. Um, the, I think the one of the important things to do as a mentor is, is getting to know the people you're working with, and that can take time. So how, with all of the things that you're juggling, um, being busy academics and having life outside of that, how do you find the time for it and keep it as something that's uh, you know a priority for you? You're, you're making it happen, regardless of being busy. <laughs> I think it just comes down to genuine relationships. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, I mean it. It doesn't take a whole lot of time to mm -hmm. keep up to date with what's going on in someone's life and mm -hmm. actually being genuinely interested mm -hmm. in what's going on in someone else's life. And being, I guess, a, a millennial, yes. <laughs> uh, my generation has kind of reverted to using technology quite a bit. Right. Mm -hmm. And although technology is great, mm -hmm. having actual personal interactions with mm -hmm. people and mm -hmm. having conversations mm -hmm. with people even if it's once a week mm -hmm. for 15 minutes, mm -hmm. it can go a real long way. Mm -hmm. And just making that time to have that connection, it, sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes mm -hmm. you don't see someone for three weeks. Mm -hmm. But then you have a 45-minute catch-up, and right. you just make it a little longer. And those mm -hmm. personal interactions, face-to-face -face interactions, mm -hmm. a couple times a month, mm -hmm. uh, go a real long way in staying up-to-date. Mm -hmm. And then you have 
other things, that 15 minute conversation sometimes turns into a four hour conversation <laughs> yeah. and uh, maybe we should go to the hockey game and discuss this between periods. <laughs> right. Uh, so, I mean, the, I think that, that mm-hmm. face-to-face interaction, mm-hmm. trying to stay up to date with each other, mm-hmm. uh, that to me is mm-hmm. uh, really, really important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And kind of something I took out of what you were just saying was perhaps being a little bit flexible with what the mentorship relationship looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, nothing can really be stuck in concrete these mm-hmm. days. I mean, like you said, busy schedules, mm-hmm. uh, things change, mm-hmm. uh, there's emergencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, a, a good example is my dog cut himself out open running around in the backyard one time and yeah. I had to bring him to the lab because he needed to be under 24-hour control <laughs> and yeah. uh, he came in with a big bandage on and a cone yeah. head and <laughs> we had our meeting a half an hour later and right. there was flexibility in the schedule that allowed for that. Right. And, the flexibility is definitely an important part. part. And on the other end, uh, like I had to remain flexible because sometimes, uh, sometimes there's mistakes in scheduling, and maybe there's two meetings booked at once, and you're just uh, you're the student, and it's easy for you to be flexible. And you say, "Oh, no worries, I'll meet with you half an hour later." And yeah. that flexibility is, I think, quite important. Yeah, yeah. If you can, if you can make it work, then that can be very helpful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, one of the things coming back to the things we've already. Mm-hmm. touched on actually mm-hmm. is that um, I've always tried to maintain a, a system where if folks need to speak with me privately or one on one about whatever anytime just you know it's usually be email to set up a meeting just right. email me we'll set up a time yeah. we can do that at any time okay, okay? Yeah. just just let me know when that yeah. aside from that though mm-hmm. we have lab meetings once a week okay and so, so on this yeah. time we will I will be available yeah. every week yeah. during this sometimes flexible window as uh-huh. Greg is pointing out uh-huh. But during this time, it's mm-hmm. like that family dinner concept. Yeah. We'll all be together right. at this time, yeah. and we'll all, I'll, I'll usually talk about some kind of uh, uh, homily about something <laughs> that I want to share right. about the academic life and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll also be updating them on certain strategies or different mm-hmm. things I'd like us to think about. Mm-hmm. But then getting updates from people, just mm-hmm. check-ins. Mm-hmm. People may have a lot to say. They may have yeah. little to say. They might have... a additional things about a paper that they want to talk about with everybody now, even though we've already gone offline and done mm. revisions together on, mm-hmm. whatever. The point is, it's always that's, I'm going to be available there. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's really important mm-hmm. um, because I think sometimes it's, it's more tempting to say, well, do we really have a lot of things to talk uh-huh, about today? Uh-huh, so let's uh-huh. just cancel the meeting. Yes. Sometimes that does happen because I know it's like summer and everybody's mm-hmm. running around and like, mm-hmm. well, you know what, we just go do stuff. <laughs> right. But otherwise, it's making that commitment to just be there. And then there's discussions about things. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of things that come out of those meetings sometimes mm-hmm. that aren't, uh, you know, they're very nonlinear. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you wouldn't be able to predict in advance. Yes. So it's important to have those meetings. Yeah. And I think it's important. It, it comes down to this idea of, you know, presence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Even if you can't be present like all the time in the situation, of mm-hmm. course, because that's like over mentoring, I think, maybe you're <laughs> over supervising. But um, that there will be that guaranteed like face time. Right. You, you, this is open. This is available. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As a as a thing to always know is there. Right. Yeah. It's kind of removing a bit of uncertainty where if I have something that I want to bring up to you, but it's like when is the next time I'm going to be able to right. see him about it? You know, you're you're you've set up a bit of an expectation for. I know that I can either wait this long because we've got this preset meeting or you've got your open inbox policy and yeah. I can ask yeah. you, hey, can we meet up earlier? Yeah. So 
Yeah, that's amazing. I think I could continue picking both of your brains all day. Um, but in the in the honor of time, um, something that we kind of wrap up with sometimes is just a curiosity question, which is really big picture. If you had unlimited resources, you know, speaking human capital, speaking money, um, what's one thing that you would do or get involved with that you think could really help improve the health of all Canadians? <laughs> Well, um, okay, unlimited everything. Yeah. I think I would try to get, create, because it doesn't exist, so it would be something to create. Yes. A mm -hmm. broad spectrum, multi-level approach mm -hmm. to breaking down barriers around knowledge sharing mm -hmm. and getting to a point where understanding science and part of what science actually is, mm -hmm. which is not what's in textbooks generally, mm -hmm. which is not what you're learning in grade eight science book right. or grade 12 physics book. Yeah share real information mm -hmm. to break down the siloing and the boundaries mm -hmm. and the ivory tower concept right from the beginning of mm -hmm. education and mm -hmm. all the way through all of our activities mm -hmm. to make sure that people can understand the process how it works mm -hmm. appreciate what its limits are mm -hmm. and what it can and can't tell us okay. and and how we can leverage that mm -hmm. to better health and mm -hmm. so on mm -hmm. but too often it seems like it's a separate thing yeah science is a separate thing from being alive, life is science. Yeah, yeah. Like that, the, the science of life, like it is <laughs> uh -huh. physiology. You are alive. That right. is a science right there. Right, right. And yeah. too often it's thought of as something separate. Mm -hmm. And I think that in terms of the biggest bang for the biggest impact, mm -hmm. that would be the biggest thing I could ever imagine. Right, yeah. Especially because as we move forward, mm -hmm. our society, our health is becoming more and more reliant on mm -hmm. science and technology, not mm -hmm. less and less. Absolutely. Yeah. So it, it would have a huge impact, I think. Right. And be a big undertaking. But if we come up with unlimited resources, I'll come to you. All right, thank you. <laughs> For me, it's uh, along the same lines of breaking down those barriers, but in a slightly different way. Okay. Uh, so uh, Paul's a big expert in knowledge translation and mm -hmm. knowledge is power and mm -hmm. all of those mm -hmm. types of things. Uh, for me, it, it just comes to support networks and yeah. creating some kind of support network that is freely available to everyone. Mm -hmm. And that comes to diet advice, okay. it comes to uh, exercise advice, mm -hmm. and it comes to motivation to mm -hmm. eat well and mm -hmm. motivation to exercise well. Yeah, yeah. And too often financial barriers and time barriers are what uh, prevents people from exercising and eating well. Mm -hmm. uh, if if we had unlimited resources and we could have really nice, well-prepared, uh, good food available mm -hmm. for everyone that was also quick and yeah, easy to access, yeah. and they also had multiple trainers that are available for yeah. everyone and counseling and motivation yeah. for all of these people, but it just costs a lot of money. And yeah. being someone who's worked in the fitness mm -hmm. industry, you don't want to sell your expertise mm -hmm. for nothing, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so then you demand a certain amount of mm -hmm. uh, pay for your services, right. Right. but now you're introducing barriers. Yes. But you need to feed yourself as well. Yeah, yeah. So there's this complicated financial mm -hmm. barrier that I think is a big one, and for me, the support networks and yeah. the, the, the support and the, uh, the knowledge coming from yeah. what Paul said there as well, mm -hmm. that to support everyone mm -hmm. is, I think, the answer if there was unlimited resources but yeah. unfortunately I don't think there is so. right right but we could take the science of life <laughs> and the science of nutrition and exercise and psych science and, and figure out how to get everybody most well supported 
Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's a nice, it's a wonderful idea. <laughs> um, is there anything else that you feel like I should have asked you, or you just want to put in one last plug for this thing with regards to mentorship? Well, I think we covered a lot. We covered, we did cover a lot. Yeah. So again, I just want to thank you both so much for taking the time today, sure. um, because who knows how many people will hear this, but someone might take something away. <laughs> yeah, Even thank if you. if it's one, it's great. There we go, okay, <laughs> I've made my impact. <laughs> All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Dr. Paul Zare and Dr. Greg Piercy. Are you still wondering about that giveaway contest that we hinted at earlier? Well, get excited. It's your opportunity to win a signed copy of Paul's most recent book, Chasing Captain America. I actually borrowed this book from my own local public library before chatting with Paul, and I can say firsthand it's a very interesting read, and especially so if you're working in exercise science. So to enter the contest, the first thing you'll do is head to our Instagram page, which is ccep, C-S-E-P, underscore, S-C-P-E, and check out our latest post. So you like the photo, and then we're going to ask you to tag two friends who you think are superheroes. We'll be drawing the winning name at the end of the month. So see the post for all the details and good luck to you. If you're enjoying the podcast in general, please subscribe and rate it using whatever streaming service you're listening on. You can also share the podcast with friends and connect with us on social media or by email. If you have future ideas for episodes, we'd love to hear them. Contact links are in the show notes for each episode. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time. Oh, 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 o